Hello, sixes. Welcome back to Life Uninhibited. I'm your host, Kristen Messagy, Enneagram Six, and Life Coach for Sixes. Hello, sixes. Welcome back. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoy this. (laughs) Whatever the heck I'm about to talk about. No, I know what I'm going to talk about. This may be one or two episodes. I'm not sure yet, but I want to talk through a series of posts that I wrote in my Life Coaching for Sixes Facebook group that I've now paused. This is a series of posts that I wrote walking toward that pause. And I think that there's just a lot of good lessons in here. I explored my own self and tried to come up with six 60 lessons that I learned over the course of running that group. And I wanted to talk about them and share them here. If you read those in the group, this will be different. I promise we're going to just go a little deeper. And as always, I want the things that I'm talking about to be accessible to you because these aren't lessons that I like read and then had in my head. These are lessons that, these are the hard won things on the back end that we get of doing the things, right? So these are lessons that I uh, have become part of who I am. And this is the thing about development that I don't think we really want to wrestle with. And by we, I mean me and most people is that if we want different lives, we have to become different. And for sixes, for all humans, but because of our fear thing and our lack of inner authority thing, to do that, right? To step off of here's where I am, to step off of that and move toward something that you can't really see yet, that you can't necessarily grasp even or conceive of because it would mean you're different than you are now it's very very difficult it's very scary you have to contend with uncertainty you have to contend with fear so okay I'm already getting into it basically these are random but also you know useful for all of us I hope I'm going to put lesson one and two together because they really go together and I don't think I can talk about them separately. So lesson number one that I wrote about was fear cannot be the reason that we don't do something. Now, of course, it can be the reason. It usually is the reason. (laughs) However, there are so many tools and ways to work with our fear as opposed to avoiding it or attempting to just blow by it we really can do this and this so this gets to lesson number two which is learning to feel our feelings is as big of a deal as it's cracked up to be so learning to experience the sensations created by so many things. 
do not want to get too off track here. However, a little mini lesson on feelings. Okay. What feelings are our sensations in our bodies? Different feelings have different sets of sensations. Some feelings actually feel very much like each other, even if they're very different. Some feelings just seem intolerable to us until we learn to tolerate the sensations produced. There's lots of different ways to do this. What we tend to do as sixes is one, intellectualize our feelings and build a story around them. And and a lot of this happens, you know, chicken and egg here, right? So a lot of times we will have stories that creates a set of feelings. A lot of times we will have feelings and then we create stories around the feelings. The point here is learning to actually be with those sensations produced allows us to have choice about the feelings. If we're going to choose to do something or not do something because of feelings. And I just don't think we like to actually admit that we are making life choices to avoid body sensations. And I don't even know that it's just we don't want to admit that. I don't think we know that until we know that. I mean, this is one of the things that coaching can reveal. It certainly did for me was that I was making life choices around feeling or not feeling things. And that's very sobering for me. For me, that was a very sobering realization. And I did not want that to be how I made decisions, why I acted the way I acted, um, all kinds of things, right? I wanted to increase my capacity because this isn't like a light switch thing. Sometimes it's very funny when I talk about my own growth, I will say things to my husband like, and then I just decided X and things were different. And he will remind me (laughs) that that isn't exactly how it went down, that there was actually this whole process of me uh, attempting to do the thing. Um, Not reacting to my emotions would be one of these things. I love to talk as if I decided to learn to feel my feelings one day and then I could. The end. That is not an accurate story at all. I still react to my emotions. Of course I do. But I have a lot more skills on board now in terms of what that actually looks like and, you know, what happens as a result of those feelings appearing. Oh gosh, this is the other thing. We have so many thoughts about our feelings. We have so many reactions to our reactions. I mean, it's just layered after layer after layer. So These two lessons, fear does not have to be the thing that stops us from doing the thing, whether it's something like I'm talking about starting a business or 
something like having a hard conversation or, you know, developing more intimacy in a relationship or, I mean, just anything, just anything. The thing is, how we do our lives is how we do our lives. So if we have a habit of avoiding feelings, giving every feeling a narrative that does not support us or does not move us forward. Um, yeah, we need, we need new habits. And one of the habits that I, just a life skill to develop is to actually learn to incur the intensity created by feelings in our bodies. And I, I'm, maybe that sounds simple. I don't know. It's not simple. It's quite a bit of work. There are lots of reasons why this is actually difficult to do. One of them is that I just had to look up um, on psychology today to see if I was saying this correctly. Even though I knew I was, I had to go check with an authority. Physical pain and emotional pain are processed in the same part of the brain. So when we are facing emotional pain, sure, our logic can say, well, it's just physical sensations, but you wouldn't like stub your toe on purpose, right? You, you, if you try to hurt yourself on purpose physically, we tend to have mechanisms that keep us from doing that. We don't, we don't want to do that. We, we don't, even if we're really mad, we're probably not going to punch a wall because that's going to really hurt our hand. Maybe we're not wall punchers. I've never had an urge to punch a wall. A person, sure, not a wall. No, I've never had an urge to punch someone. That is neither here nor there. You know what I'm saying. When we think about hurting ourselves physically, we have unconscious mechanisms that keep us from doing that. So you can... It makes perfect sense when we think of hurting ourselves emotionally, we have unconscious mechanisms to keep us from doing that. So it makes perfect sense that our unconscious mechanisms are working hard to, quote, keep us from hurting ourselves. Now, sadly, we do have to feel some pain on purpose in order to be a balanced human. This actually, well, this is a whole nother thing. I could go down. Just going to have to believe me here. Ooh, read Dopamine Nation. Dopamine Nation highlights this pain pleasure thing that we all have a little bit cattywampus really, really, really nicely. We have to experience discomfort as humans to actually be uh, well-rounded humans. And part of part of our deal as modern humans is there's so much comfort available to us, not only messaging after messaging that we shouldn't be uncomfortable in any way, shape or form, that we have just sort of a busted view of what life should be, of what we should be experiencing. So there's that that we have working against us. We also have uh, a lot of inner protectors that come on board to protect us from feelings 
for other reasons. Maybe we have some real trauma responses on board that just take over instead of us just sitting in actual fear, which is a set of sensations in our body. We might have this protector that just shows up and instead grabs us into a shame spiral or pushes us up into anger, right? So We just have mechanisms on board to keep us from simply feeling our feelings. It isn't easy. However, these are all things that not only can be explored and dealt with, really what we can do is set up manageable, safe to fail experiments in which we know the only actual thing that will happen is discomfort is emotional discomfort. Okay. So there are really ways to manage this on a day to day level that work very well. So if you go back to my Facebook group, I just had to do one day at a time. I just literally had to say, okay, I'm going to do a video today, one video today, or I'm going to write a post today. This is all I have to do. And then I was able to process all the feelings that came up before and after I did the video or did the post or read a comment. And then, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to answer this. And they're going to think, you know, because of course my brain would just run away. It was just one thing at a time. And so I could connect with myself and know that, okay, this one video, this one post, this one comment probably isn't going to mean the whole end of everything, which is what my brain told me. And instead, know that I just had to manage the emotions produced with this one small thing. That is really important to know. So, okay. So this brings us to four and five, which are, they're very similar. One, I said, the only way to really prove to ourselves we can trust ourselves is to withstand the discomfort of trusting ourselves over and over again. So back to this example of running this group, I had to connect with whatever, you know, message was coming up that I wanted to share or thing that I wanted to teach and then just do it, right? Put put the thing out there, the one thing, and then see what happened. And then do it again and again and again and prove to myself that me bringing up something that I wanted to share not only was going to be useful for someone else in the beginning, but wasn't going to kill me basically, right? Wasn't going to get me, I don't know, booted off the island, kicked out of the human tribe, um, totally abandoned by everyone in there. I mean, the the things often that we're fearing are primal things. It's not even, these aren't conscious things, which is the other reason we want to make this stuff conscious as much as we can. And then we want to give ourselves little 
experiences to prove to ourselves that we can withstand the discomfort of doing what we want to do, of doing the thing that we think is important, trusting our sense of things. So, and then number five lesson was the more we avoid things that cause us anxiety, the bigger anxiety gets. And this is, it's just a real bummer, but it's all kind of tied together. If we are letting ourselves avoid the things that are very scary to us for all the reasons that make all the sense in the world, right? Not because there's something wrong with us, not because we're weak, not because we need to be different. None of that. It's just, we get into habits and we get into habits for very good reasons. And if we aren't willing to look at the habits and look at the cost of the habits, we just keep doing it. And if we want to keep doing it, that's totally fine. Nobody gets to tell you that you need to do something different. It's when we are evaluating our lives and we're looking at some of the costs of the strategies that we've developed, that we've used and leaned on and perfected over a lifetime. Like self-doubt, like not doing things because we don't want to feel a certain way getting kind of comfortable actually in anxiety instead of moving through it. And then, well, anxiety is a particular case. I'm definitely going to do episodes just about it because it's important. But the the overall idea here holds, which is if we do small things regularly, We build different skills and different capacities. Usually our brains tell us that's not good enough. I mean, I work with a lot of sixes who are like, well, I can do that, but why would I do that? It's not good enough. It's not fast enough. To which I kind of, you know, we have to call a little BS on their brain and be like, well, if you can do it, you know, if it's so easy, then go ahead. One of the ways the brain stops us from doing small things is by telling us, well, that's not good enough. Well, okay, we want to be aware of that. And then at some point there does come the, you you do the thing. And even if you have crafted a safe to fail, you know, small experiment, there are still going to be feelings involved. And so you have to do the thing. And then really knowing how to support yourself on the back end. And this theme is coming out in so many episodes. I also very specifically talk about this in the free confidence course that I have for sixes on my website, which you can go grab. It is this process of at some point we do the thing and we and there are going to be feelings. And so how do we support ourselves through those feelings? And I really recommend learning about ways to support the nervous system. There, these are body things we do with our actual bodies. So I remember in the beginning when I would, you know, make a video or make a post or have a a consultation, you know, actually talking with someone about working together. You can imagine. You can imagine the emotions produced on the back end of those conversations. 
and I would do a ton of shaking out the physical energy. I would dance, tons of dancing. That just works for me as a way to move energy through. I would jump on my mini trampoline. Well, actually, I got that later. I do that now. So this is the point. You don't just have to sit in your body and experience the sensations. I actually have so many more tools now (laughs) than I did in the beginning. It would have been, it would have been helpful (laughs) to know all the things I know now, but I did have enough on board because you don't need a ton. You need breathing. You need move your body and move energy through Um, the ability to disconnect from the stories your brain is telling you real helpful. I definitely had that on board. So, So you can hear it, right? There's a whole set of skills that we develop and then we can move forward doing more and more things that actually have us contacting the fear. But we prove to ourselves that we can experience the fear and then the fear becomes not this elephant in the room that we're trying to live and work around in a subconsciously creative, ultimately not self-supportive ways, right? We want to actually get the elephant out of the room. This is this is sort of the ultimate goal here. We get the elephant out of the room. It becomes a passenger in our life and we're able to actually move forward with some conscious, clear choice. And then withstand the emotions produced when things kind of go however they go. So... The last two lessons that I shared were living toward something, living for something is very different than trying to protect against bad things happening. And this is a piece of orientation that I think is critical for, well, you know what it is? I really see it as like an opportunity when we come to adulthood to just rearrange what we're doing in a conscious way. It's like we have all these unconscious strategies that have gotten us here. Thank you very much. You know, we're here thus far. Anyone listening to this has made it thus far. And then we can start to actually decide, well, what do I want to do next? And what do I want to orient to? And what the Enneagram does is reveal to us, well, here might be some areas that you're currently oriented to unconsciously that are really impacting, you know, how you're making your decisions, what you're doing, what you're choosing to do, what you're not choosing to do, how you're showing up, how your relationships are, all these things. And so we get to decide if we want to do that or not. And one of the things that I've learned over these five years is when I'm oriented toward something, it really makes withstanding the hard stuff significantly easier because I know where I'm going and I know why I'm going there. So when it when I learned at some point that I was being very reactive to my emotions, and it was impacting my children. 
okay? My desire and drive to figure out how to be less reactive so that my children had a different experience of me, that goal became bigger than my automatic reactions. Now, did that happen overnight? No, of course it didn't. It's still not like a done deal. Well, and now they're becoming teenagers. So I just get to learn it at a deeper level, I'm quite sure. But do, do you know what I mean? So like the, what I was focused on was like, okay, yes, this is hard. Yes, I'm having to look at myself and see really uncomfortable things. Yes, I'm having to be with so much more intensity than when I just like blast it out. But if I don't want to blast it out because there's a cost that I'm seeing, then it's easier for me to go forward. Whereas if I just orient to, oh gosh, look at what I'm doing. I shouldn't be this way. This is a terrible way to be. I'm, I really am scared that if I keep doing this, my kids are going to da 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 da. Oh my gosh, I'm screwing up my kids. I, do, do you see it? Like if the orientation stays toward what I'm afraid of, which is screwing up my kids, I was able to shift to, I want to be more in control of my own emotional reaction so that I can enjoy a better relationship with my kids in real time now. Like, so I can be who I want to be as a parent now. I had to change my orientation. I couldn't keep looking at what I was afraid of, have to shift to what I want to create. Similarly, in my business. If I just let my brain talk to me, then it's going to be a whole lot of, well, frankly, we would not have gotten here <laughs> to this podcast because stuff would have ended a long time ago. My orientation to, I'm going to figure things out. I'm going to learn to withstand the emotions produced over and over and over and over again, day after day after day after day, because two things. I really want, I really, really wanted to actually have a real business that supported, well, could, you know, contributed to supporting my family. And I really, really wanted to learn the things that I was teaching. Like I really wanted those skills. And there was a, another thing actually that I can't remember because I got all excited. Okay, I hope that point got across. When we can orient what we are for as opposed to just letting our brains orient us to the potential threat, we actually gain more capacity to do the hard things, to actually implement all the skills that we learn and things that we read, et cetera, et cetera. It becomes less of information consumption and really, okay, how am I going to apply this in my life? Because I really, really want something different. And that could be hard for sixes to really figure out what is the different that they want. That's okay. It can be, it can absolutely be done. And some of you already know it. You have it, you feel it in your heart, right? You feel like some sort of, knowing or you, anyway, you know, you know you. 
Okay. There's one more. Oh, gosh. Okay. Okay. The last post, I let myself be inspired by one of the daily Enya thoughts. If y'all were in that group, you know, I wrote so many things in response to Enya thoughts. It was such an incredible way for me to spark ideas, just kind of let how I thought about things come up. Love the Enya thoughts, but they're, they're, uh, they'll get you. They just, <laughs> they just get right in there. Um, if you don't know what the Enya thought is, if you go to the Enneagram Institute, they will send you a daily email and you can pick your, you can pick two numbers. So I would get mine and my husband's for a while. Then I got mine and I would get the Enneagram three for a while to kind of, you know, explore that line to three. Anyway, what the Enya thought said that day was, I now release looking to others to make me feel secure. And I kind of, I just want to read what I wrote because I like it. And it was the final post I wrote in my group. Okay, here's another thing. That day was so hard and I didn't see it coming. I honestly, it was hilarious that I didn't see it coming. And I think my brain was just hiding that from me so that I could move through toward the end. And then the feelings came. It was a very hard day. Okay. What I wrote was, a great paradox of life is while we are absolutely social beings and need to be in safe relationships with others. Yes, obviously this is true. I'll, I'll read it with commentary. Other adults cannot ultimately meet our core desire for a deep sense of internal sturdy security. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna read and chat as I read through it. But this is again, this is a lesson that I learned over these last five years. And really, too, this the five years of the group represents the first five, five and a half years of my <clears throat> coaching journey as well. Okay. So it's all together. Whew. The thing about looking to others to make us feel secure, dot, dot, dot. The Enneagram teaches that the core six wound is a disconnection from the internal knowing that we are fundamentally okay, that we can walk in the world as we are without a constant fear of catastrophe and punishment. Goodness. Sometimes I write stuff and I go back and read it. I'm like, geez. But let's hang out here for a second because what are we really afraid of? What is all this fear telling us, right? It's that something's going to go terribly wrong or we're going to get in trouble. We forget that we are adults. Okay, I get, I get there in the writing. So I say, at some deep level, we don't know that fundamental okayness. We don't know it in our bodies, right? We don't know that we can contact that, that we can live in relationship with a fundamental okayness and be scared, right? We, we just don't have the awareness that that is possible for us. So we walk through life worried about or pretending not to be worried about 
those exact things, the catastrophe or punishment. Like Alice in Wonderland, we somehow make ourselves smaller than we actually are or bigger than we actually are based on how others are or seem to be treating us or just how they're existing, right? We look at others and then we do this all kinds of imaginary positioning of ourselves in relation to them because we don't have that deep connection to this fundamental, I'm okay. I might be okay. Maybe I can just be. We don't know that we can meet other people face-to-face as we are and just as they are. Oh, I'm getting emotional. However, we can. We can do this. I promise you. (laughs) Might take five years um, or forever, but here we are. To meet others as they are in all of their messy-ass humanness, we get to make that introduction to ourselves first, to go inside and see that we are here. We are here. We are solid. We know things. We have a sense of things. And then I go on to list these things. We can figure things out. We can have healthy boundaries. We can make mistakes and keep our heads up. We can make decisions without knowing the outcomes. We can change our minds. We can be devoted supporters rather than blind loyalists. We can own our own shadows with care. We can let other adults off the hook for doing our internal work. We can can become sturdy enough for true intimacy. I know all these things are true in my bones and I believe in them for all of you. That was a good post. (laughs) Okay. So those are the six lessons. I mean, so many things I learned, but really there's a lot there. I learned those things in the small, tiny day-to-day-to-day actions. It is in the day-to-day-to-day. So as your brain shoots forward into catastrophe and goes back into all of the things, you know, the coulda, shoulda, woulda, What I'm talking about, these lessons help us slow all that down, stop all of that and orient to the here and now. One last thing, living in the present, we all have this weird idea of what that means. We're like living in the present means that I I think we think that it means it feels good. (laughs) No, that isn't what it means. Living in the present means that we're able to be here with whatever is. And for us, Dear sixes, a lot of times that is a lot of fear. That is a lot of discomfort. And that is okay. We can move forward with all of that on board. In fact, I think it's what we get to do. All right. I will talk to y'all soon. Thank you for listening. I hope you got a lot out of that one please feel free to share with me. Also, thank you so much to those of you who've taken the time to leave a rating and even a review for the podcast. It is so touching to see where this podcast is finding you in your life and what you're getting from it. Also, leaving ratings and reviews really helps other sixes find the work as well. So 
all of my gratitude and I read every single one. It is really fun. Send me your thoughts via email too if there's something you really want to hear about or feedback, anything you want me to know. My email is always in the show notes. 